I'm trying my best to accommodate you. It doesn't seem like it. You're not golden ruling it. You're not doing it unto others as you would have others doing to you. Unfortunately, the golden rule is not a federal regulation. Golden rule's on top. Federal law is second. In this scene from season nine of Curb Your Enthusiasm, Larry David tries to invoke the golden rule at the airport. The concept of the golden rule is to treat others the way you would want to be treated, and its origins are at least 2,500 years old. This concept is present in all of the world's major religious traditions. Despite the long history and widespread usage of the golden rule, Milan Batnich says there is an even better rule to apply during our interactions with others. The Platinum Rule. The Platinum Rule says, do unto others as they'd like done unto them. This concept originated from the 1996 book of the same name, written by Dr. Tony Alessandra and Dr. Michael J. O'Connor. Because each of us has a preferred communication style, the Platinum Rule suggests that we flex our communication style to better interact with others who have a different preference. Milan Batnich is a motivational speaker and contact center leader who moonlights as a storm chaser. On this episode of Next in Q, we discuss why understanding communication styles is important, different options for evaluating communication styles, characteristics of the four primary styles, why modifying behavior leads to success in relationships with others, real-world examples for how communication styles impact people at work, and how Ikigai changed Milan's professional path. Time is running out to get your tickets for the Call and Contact Center Expo in Las Vegas this April 26th and 27th. Not only would I love to see you there, you can get your tickets for free by using the link in the liner notes and using my promo code ROB100. And you'll also get to see Milan Batnich's session called Stop Forcing Square Pegs into Round Holes. Get your tickets today and I will see you there. Now, let's get to it. Welcome to Next in Q, the podcast for contact center and customer experience professionals. Next in Q is brought to you by Happy Two Vision. Eliminate blind spots and see right through every conversation with Happy Two Vision. Learn more at HAPPITU.com. Now, here's your host, Rob Dwyer. Hey there. Welcome to another episode of Next in Q. Uh, today, really, the first returning guest for full episode and i believe this is like the third appearance all told milan thanks for joining how are you rob i am living the dream thank you so much for having me for the third time i mean the dream is when purdue actually wins a national championship so you're not living that it's a different kind of dream that you're living but that's okay because my jayhawks 
also no longer in the tournament. We're both heartbroken. Yes. Such yes. is life. Well, Such we, is we life. Move on. Last Thursday and Friday was terrible days. Thursday night, Purdue women lost. Friday night, Purdue men lost. So, so now I have all the time in the world to talk about communication styles and whatever else you want to talk about. <laughs> so that's what we're going to do. We are going to talk about uh, communication styles and really just kind of dive into that. So let's start with why anyone should consider learning about communication styles and and implementing strategies based off that, of communication styles yeah that's a great starting question i think uh i think understanding your own communication style so having self-awareness of how you communicate is a necessity in life you need to understand how how you come across the people so not only understand yourself but then how your style your communication style impacts others like for myself i have uh, a high drive for social interaction so i like to be around people i like to have these conversations so because of that i sometimes my high drive to interact with others uh sometimes i'll share information that's unfiltered i'll just share <laughs> random random thoughts about astronauts and black and gold walls and different things like that um where as someone who does not have a high high drive for social interaction they're going to be more reserved and introspective and think about the information process it internally versus sharing half-baked ideas out loud. So, so I think it's really vital, especially in the workplace, in a professional environment, and in any relationship that people have, uh, just understanding themselves and understanding you know, how they come across to other individuals and to their teams. And then um, you know, you can, I think companies overall, divisions, departments of companies can put together a strategy on uh, and, and identifying Okay, how does, say, for example, how does Milan communicate? How does Rob communicate? Well, what does Rob need in order for him to share his thoughts? Or uh, what does he need in order for him to uh, communicate the way that he, he enjoys communicating best? Because there's so many different avenues, you know, certain people yeah. prefer email and prefer to be more assertive and driving and, and different things like that. So, so I think it's, it's a necessity because if you don't understand somebody else's communication style or even worse if you don't understand your own and how you come across then it's a recipe for disaster yeah absolutely let's uh get something out of the way and let's talk about the difference between communication styles uh sometimes also called behavioral styles versus some of these personality tests that are out there What's the difference between those two and why is it important that I understand the difference? Yeah, so personality and behavior is very similar. Um, the main difference I would say is personality is really what, what other people see. So well, when we talk sports, Rob, you see my personality come out in some of the ridiculous things I say um, about amazing teams. And... <laughs> With, be, with behavior, with behaviors, behaviors are a little bit different because behaviors are really the results or the response to somebody's needs. So we all, every human on earth has primary uh, motivating drives. And based on those drives, it predicts what our needs are. 
like I mentioned at the beginning, one of my needs is social interaction with other people, a highly extroverted individual. So because of that, I'm going to behave in a way or my behavior is going to show up in a response to that need. So the way I behave, the way I interact, the way I communicate is going to be a response to my need based on my drive. So it's a little bit different. It's a little bit more in-depth, I'd say, than personality. Uh, personality is more, uh, more guided around, you know, seeing, seeing how, how somebody, say, interacts uh, versus uh, the behaviors of the individual. And if you can coach and manage employees based on their needs, then you're going to see the behaviors that, that are needed for the workplace or for the specific job that that employee is doing. Yeah. So let's talk about some of the uh, communication or behavior style assessments that are out there. I know you've got a, a favorite, but what what options are out there? What might people have heard of? Yeah. So um, I'll start with my favorite one, predictive index. It's a behavioral assessments and cognitive assessment. That one I absolutely love. Um, some others that people may have heard of, uh, culture index, uh, Meyer Briggs, um, disc strength finders are all very, very, very similar. And those are probably the biggest ones. Um, present day, there's 1,200 behavioral or personality assessments on the market globally. Um, but I'd say those are probably the five or six that you hear the most often out of mm -hmm. the 1,200. So if there are 1,200 out there, mm -hmm. If I am leading an organization and I'm considering one of these, how in the heck am I supposed to make a decision about what to choose and what's going to be effective? Yeah, I would say I would say identifying what is most important for you. So each one has something that's a very um, specific, strong uh, suit for that assessment. So of the 1200, there's probably over half of those are meant for your personal life, not for the workplace. So you can kind of cut those out right away. Um, something like DISC, uh, it says right on their front page or uh, main page of their website, you can't use it for hiring because it's not validated for hiring. Um, so if you're looking for an assessment tool where you can assess candidates before making a hiring decision, you know, that would rule out most of them. There's only a few in the market that you can use for hiring. Um, and then if you're looking for a tool just for coaching, then it kind of opens up um, to several dozen. Again, if you're looking for a management tool, coaching tool. So it really depends on identifying, okay, how am I going to use this tool? If I'm using it for hiring it, uh, or identifying the strong candidates that are a good fit, if I'm using it for coaching, professional development, managing employees, and if I'm using it specifically for the workplace, then that list goes from 1,200 down to about four uh, different mm -hmm. tools. So yeah. it really depends on what people uh, need to use it for. Um, we'll really help them kind of narrow down which ones to look at. Well, that's certainly helpful. I'm glad I don't have to worry about 1,200 different ones. I can, I can narrow things down. Let's talk about how we end up categorizing these communication styles or, or behavior styles. There are different labels depending mm -hmm. on what you use, but let's 
just kind of go through some of the general characteristics of, of each of the different styles? Yeah, yeah, that's, that's a great question. So there are several different styles and really it's based on each individual person's uh, drives. So depending, you know, the four primary human drives, you know, you have the drive to acquire and achieve. So how independent are you versus how collaborative? So that impacts how you'll communicate and that'll impact your behaviors. The, the second is your drive to bond or belong. So that's looking really at extroversion. You know, how socially driven are you? That affects how you communicate. You prefer email communication or in-person interactions. Uh, third is the drive to be challenged or comprehend. So really that is pace of activity. So identifying what type of pace of activity will I thrive in, in the workplace? So do, will I respond positively to pressure? Um, do I prefer a type of work environment that is steady and calm and process oriented? That affects your communication style and how you communicate and how you like to receive communication. And then the fourth one is your drive to define and defend. So how detail-oriented are you? You know, somebody who has a high high drive um, to define is going to send out emails in paragraph format. They, they want to receive emails in paragraph format. Those that have that low drive, bullet points. Well, or better yet, just send a message through Teams or Slack or, <laughs> you know, something like that. Or just give, give them a quick call. Because they're uh, the the person will not read you know a four paragraph email, they they needed uh, summarized they need the cliff notes version, so really those four drives those four primary drives really uh, dictate how people will communicate and how they'll like to receive communication. So, yeah, I mean, like, you know, the thing that I have found most useful about understanding this is in how I going to craft communication thoughtfully, keeping the receiver in mind. And so I've worked with people that, you know, they need all the numbers, all the details, like everything has to be super detailed. And then you've got the people that are basically look at that and go, TLDR, <laughs> give me the top three bullet points. What do I need to do about this? Right. They don't, want all of the details and the justification they don't really care how you feel about anything like just just give me those bullet points and you can lose people if you just reach out with bullet points and there's someone right. who needs more information and they can they can take offense to that and vice versa you may find that you're not getting things done because you're you know, being too brief and direct with some people or not brief enough. Uh, so yeah, all yeah. Of, like understanding that makes those relationships with coworkers easier because I'm paying attention to how I'm communicating. Right. And, and you read my mind when you brought up uh, taking offense because absolutely. And, and what I've noticed too over the years is individuals that have that high attention to detail and prefer longer format communications, when they send it to someone who may not have uh, as much of a need for the details, uh, you know, because they've already put in all the data, like you said, the numbers, the information, they've done all the research that they could before sending their solution over, uh, say via email, 
that when you when you correct them or tell them that something in the email or something in their research is wrong, those individuals tend to be the most sensitive to that criticism because they're really, from their perspective, there wasn't much more they could do. They've right. done all the research. They've dotted all the I's. They've crossed all the T's. They, they've done everything. And then when somebody comes back and says, this is wrong, try again or redo it or fix this, a lot of times they'll take offense to that because they're like, wait a second, I, I did everything I possibly could <laughs> within my knowledge and within my skill set. And now you're saying that it's incorrect. So typically those individuals I've noticed will be really sensitive to that criticism, to that feedback. I've also noticed individuals who have a high, uh, high drive to bond and belong. Um, so that social, they have that social acceptance. So they need social acceptance. They need people to like them. They need to look good in other people's eyes. And then when, when that doesn't happen, they can become offended as well or be mm -hmm. sensitive to that criticism because they're like, wait a second, why don't you like me? You know, I need to be liked. I need to, <laughs> I need to change yeah. your perspective of me. How do I do that? Yeah, it's really interesting, right? And I think our listeners will recognize people in their lives, in their work lives, and, and possibly in their personal lives where um, certain people need certain things, right? There's there's the people that when you talk to, you kind of want to start the conversation off with maybe asking about their kids or finding out what they did this weekend. And that's really important because they're the people that they want to be liked and have that personal uh, relationship. And there are other people that you work with, like that would be the worst way to start a conversation because they don't want to talk about like, I'm at work, I'm trying to get things done. We're not talking about those things. Yeah. And like understanding that that is just a behavioral preference, a communication preference really helps you reduce friction in the workplace when you know that, understand it and make that approach. A absolutely. And it, it's funny uh, the way you worded that is uh, I worked for an organization that at the beginning of our monthly meetings, we would go around the room and there's probably a dozen of us, 10 of us. And um, we were asked to share over the last month, what's a professional good thing that's going on? Like share good news, something professional, and then share good news, something personal. And I know there's individuals that were on that team that, you know, they had to come with their strategy ideas for the company, how to lead the company in the future and all these things that take a lot of effort to put together. And of this three hour meeting, the one thing they dreaded most was coming up with a personal good news to share with the group and a professional good news. <laughs> so they, they dreaded it, they dreaded it. So I know one person that would sometimes show up late on purpose because <laughs> uh, being a virtual meeting, you pop up at the end and then they would listen to everyone else's good news. And then they would just be like, oh yeah, same goes for me as, as what Rob said or as what Milan said. <laughs> They dreaded coming up with something, some good news in their life that uh, they were willing to share with the rest of the group. Um, and really, uh, when we talk about communication styles, it's all about, uh, as in any relationship, compromise. If I know who I am and how I come across, and you know who you are and how you come across, and if we're different, if I can modify my behavior or adjust and adapt to what you need a little bit, and you do the same for me, then we can meet in the middle and be very successful. It's not that um, it's not that everyone, you know, needs to be exactly the same 
you know, behaviorally to be able to work well together. Uh, I've worked with people that are the exact opposite of me. And uh, once we understood who the other person was, then we were able to work really well together. Uh, up until that point, though, it was a little tough, you know, not yeah. un really understanding like, oh, that's what this person needs. It's not it's not the same. They're not the same as me. So I need to adapt. Right. Yeah, I think one of the things that um, is important to recognize is as good as the golden rule is that we've all heard do unto others as you would have them do unto you. That actually doesn't work very well because most people don't want the same thing you want. Right, right. It, it's now more so the platinum rule. Treat others the way they want and need to be treated. Yeah, because the way you want to be treated could be completely different uh, than the way I need or want to be treated. So, yeah, yeah absolutely. So, right, there are assessments out there and we've talked about those, but in the real world, I don't always have the opportunity to go up to someone and say, oh, well, I know everyone's taking this assessment and I want to know what type you are so that I can be more effective at communicating with you. Like that's kind of a weird thing. Uh, although culturally it can really work in organizations that kind of live in that and do the assessment right. with everyone. But right. If I'm meeting with someone who's outside of my organization, I'm not mm -hmm. necessarily going to have that. Can you talk to me about some things that maybe can help me pick up like some clues that I could pick up, like if I'm meeting someone over Zoom or if I'm going to their office that might tip me off, aside from just the way they communicate about how I might recognize their particular style? Yeah, no, that that's great. Uh, great question. So uh, I'm sure you've heard the 738-55 rule. Uh, I haven't. So let, let's okay. bring it in. Bring it in. All right. All right. So 7% of communication is the words that are being said or the words being used. 38% um, is tone and 55% is body language. So if it's a face-to-face -face meeting, you can really read a lot about a person um, or or you'll learn a lot about how, how they prefer to communicate or, you know, the way they need to be communicated with based on seeing their movements, seeing them. Um, and understanding, you know, like myself during this conversation, sometimes my chair, you'll see me go like this is because I have, um, I have, I need a lot of variety and I, I respond well to pressure. So because of that, I'm good with the conversation moving at a faster than average pace. So that's part of my communication style. So being able to see their, uh, see their movements and things like that. Also, if you communicate with them ahead of time, before you get in a meeting with them, and you notice how they communicate maybe via text or LinkedIn messages or emails. And you see that, you know, maybe they left out some details. You know, I, I've had a conversation with somebody recently where, you know, I don't know what their profile is or their type is, but you know, they, they told me on, on one day, you know, let's do this and this. And then two days later, and I'm like, yeah, that sounds great. You know, I told them right away, that sounds great. Deal done. Good to go. Then two days later, they're like, hey, I was thinking about it. So how about we do this? And I'm like, yeah, yeah, it's already done because you told me the same thing two days ago. Like for me, they probably don't have a high attention to detail. <laughs> They're probably not going to be the type to communicate in long paragraphs just because, you know, they, they messaged me pretty much the same thing 48 hours later. 
It's like, yep, yeah, I, I've already done that. What you asked me to do two days ago, like you already sent this. It's okay. Yeah, <laughs> I get it. Um, and and just being able to see see how they uh, interact. So how you know how quickly are they speaking? How you know are they fast paced? How um, how well are they listening? So if you ask somebody a question during one of your podcasts and they give you an answer and you're like, well, that, that's a decent answer, but you didn't really answer my question. You know, it kind of gives you some insights on, on their communication styles or behavioral styles. So, so that's a way you can do it. Um, so sometimes it's difficult, you know, to tell uh, when you first hop on a Zoom call with someone. Um, but I would say over, you know, first five, 10 minutes of having a conversation, you can start to pick up on certain excuse me, characteristics or traits in the way they communicate and, uh, and different things like that. Yeah. One of the things that I think people should also recognize is that while I may have a, a preferred style, I can change, adapt based on the environment that I'm in, the situation that I'm in. And it's important that we recognize that that's required of us sometimes because you may right. have a team uh, who all have kind of the same preferred style. And if like if you just have four people and they all are kind of that dominant, right? Make decisions, move quickly, give me the bullets. They're going to have a really difficult time operating together because yes. <laughs> there's, there's going to be some of this and they're not, uh, necessarily thinking through all of the things that ideally a good team with a lot of different styles will think right. through. Right. Yeah. Cause uh, really an effective team is people that have complementary styles to one another. Like, like you said, if you have all the same people on the same team that are dominant individuals, they're going to come up with these very creative outside the box ideas, like off the wall ideas. And they're going to get that idea 60, 70, 80% of the way there. And then they're going to look and see a shiny object or look out the window, see a purple squirrel. And then they're going to go to a different idea. So they really need to have individuals hey, on the team. This is a hedgehog, not a squirrel. Just so we're clear, <laughs> the hedgehog's name is Hero. The hedgehog, not a squirrel. Oh, man. <laughs> I didn't even see that on your shirt. <laughs> Just um, need to make sure everybody understands. Everybody understands it's a hedgehog. Our, our mascot is a hedgehog. Um, so sorry. Anyways, <laughs> so <laughs> then you need people on the team that can take that idea that sometimes is kind of half-baked, not really fully baked. Take that idea and then really uh, refine it and define it and uh, maybe poke holes in it. Find, okay, how will this not work? And then let's make changes. And then you also need people on the team then that can take that final idea and see it through to execution or implementation. And then you need people on the team that are really focused on, okay, this idea has been uh, implemented. So now how do we really keep people motivated to continue with this idea? So it doesn't just kind of like drop off, you know, as so, you know, flavor of the week type of thing. So yeah, so you definitely need everybody on the team to really be able to collaborate and work together. And, and it also depends on the strategy and what's trying to be accomplished. You know, if it's a startup company, I've seen startup companies where they're really dominant and driven on driving revenue, driving growth. 
but then as they kind of get settled, it's like, okay, now we need to add people to the team that have these other complementary behaviors or styles. Otherwise, we're not ever going to see things through to implementation or get things done. Things will just kind of fall apart. So you definitely need everybody on the team to uh, have success. Yeah, absolutely. And sometimes that means that uh, I need to be a little bit different than what I'm most comfortable with because right. that's what the team needs. And so that's, that's the role I'm going to serve within that particular environment, even if it's not uh, particularly comfortable for me. Right. Yeah, absolutely. That's, that's so true. So let's talk about some some real world examples. You've shared a few along the way, but some real world examples where uh, either you or or people that you've worked with in the past have um, seen success because they identified, or uh, maybe some failures because things weren't identified. Uh, what what do you have to share along those lines? Oh man. How much time do we have, Rob? <laughs> I mean, we got all the time we need. All the time we need. Right. Well, we well, got well, way well, more time than Purdue and KU have in the tournament. Right. Exactly. <laughs> so there's no point in watching Gonzaga tonight. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so that's uh, that, that question. That's loaded. So, uh, you know, really, uh, typically you'll see people in the workplace who are similar to one another will get along best. Doesn't mean they'll always get the work done, but they typically will work well together. Um, so I've seen it, you know, in, uh, in my career, uh, you know, I've seen an example where, you know, two people working together who are exactly the opposite from one another, uh, you know, probably first six months that they worked together where there, there wasn't issues, I wouldn't call it issues, but there was definitely some communication uh, obstacles when, when working together. Um, and a lot of times for, for one individual, it took them time to trust the other person. And so that's another, another thing. People typically who have a, a lower drive to bond and belong don't really have high extroversion. Typically, it'll take them longer to trust somebody new mm. that they're that they're meeting. Uh, so I know one person, uh, you know, took them probably about six months to trust another individual on the team, one of their peers, one of their colleagues. Um and part of it was, you know, some people will start off with, you know, if you have a glass of water and uh, the water represents trust, you know, when somebody meets you, that glass is full of water. And as they get to know you, maybe a little bit of water splashes out here and there as, as they get to know you. Some of the trust kind of falls out. Then there's individuals on the opposite end of the spectrum that start off with an empty glass, so no trust. And then it's like, okay, as I get to know you, as you prove yourself, as you are good on your word, then I'll slowly pour water in and let that trust build over time. And a lot of times it'll take, you know, several months for that trust to be built. And that's what we saw uh, with a couple um, individuals that work together. Um, and then another example, you know, is seeing people who are very similar to one another. Uh, because of that, depending on how similar they are um, and, you know, what their type is or their profile is, they'll work well together until they don't, you know? So mm -hmm. a lot of times they'll work really well together, but there's individuals, there's certain types of people that are extremely competitive. So they'll work well together until they're competing against one another. 
And then all of a sudden, you know, the competition is open. So sometimes that can have a negative impact on that relationship and negative impact on the way they communicate with each other because it went from let's work as a team and accomplish our goals as a team to, well, now you're, even though you're still on the team, you're still at this organization, you're almost, and this is probably a really harsh way to say it, but you're almost like my enemy because I'm trying to outperform or perform better than you versus that team oriented feel. Um, So I've also seen people that are very uh, competitive that have worked well together, but then when they're put against each other, then sometimes that relationship will crumble and fall apart because they were put in that situation. Um, So yeah, so that's just a couple examples uh, of that. And really it goes back to what you were saying a few minutes ago of being able to adapt and know, okay, if I know I'm competitive, if I know you're competitive, Okay, how can we, although we're both very competitive individuals, how can we set that aside and collaborate and work together to get a project done or to work well as a team? So really it goes back to, you know, may not be comfortable for you to adapt to somebody else's style, but it's a necessity. You know, it's a a necessary thing to do in order for it to be successful. Otherwise, you'll just come across as the toxic person in the organization that everyone has to adapt to you. Versus you also adapting to them. Mm-hmm. I I will also say like you can learn a lot by working with someone of a different style if you pay yes. attention to what they do that's successful and when it's successful that is different than how you would approach something. I uh, experienced this firsthand when for a long time I had to work directly with someone. Uh, This was for training facilitation, uh, a relatively long rollout that I had to co-facilitate with someone who was very different stylistically than I was. But what I was able to learn in that process was when his strengths really shined and why that worked so that I could recognize when I wasn't leaning into those things, but should be so that Mm -hmm. I could do that. Because there are times when it's great that maybe you're a little more long-winded and and whimsical and and, Mm -hmm. um, you're, you're building relationships. And there are other times where you just need to move on and get things done. And we need to make decisions and we need to be more efficient. So being able to recognize how your communication impacts that in a situation can be really useful. And I think until you start to assess yourself and start to look at other people, it's hard to recognize that. Yeah, absolutely. And it's good that you recognize that and we're able to lean into their, their strengths. And I think to piggyback on that comment, uh, also understanding. So once you do understand and can recognize that in other people you're working with, then also recognizing maybe where you're lacking and understanding the type of person you need to bring into the fold or add to the team or bring onto a project in order for it to be successful. So understanding, like like I'll use myself as, a, as an example, I do not have um, a high attention to detail. And so if shocked, I'm working on shocked, I'm shocked. shocked. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't know if 
if I should be offended right now, but I, hey, <laughs> I know your style. I got it. I, you know me. You I know me. I see you. Yeah. <laughs> so if I'm working on a project that requires a lot of follow through, uh, follow up, follow through, a lot of detailed information, um, you know, recognizing that, hey, this may not be Milan's strongest, you know, strongest area of expertise. So, you know, who do I need to bring in from my team? to help me on this project because that is one of their strong areas. So for instance, you know, if I'm in the past, if I filled out an RFP, I I've built the relationship, the we've been invited to the RFP, but then when I look at the RFP and I see the Excel spreadsheet with 45 different tabs, I look at that and I'm like, I think I'm gonna go take a nap. <laughs> it's brutal <laughs> to me. But then right. I, I share it with some, I bring in somebody else or some people from the team that have high attention detail and they're eating it up. They're like, this is amazing. I can't wait to get started. Where I'm like, you know, let me know if you need my help. I hope you don't. <laughs> yeah. Well, and understanding how you can motivate people. So whether you're in sales or you're in customer service or you are in operations, like regardless of your role, there are going to be times when you need to get people on your side, right? right? You need to influence them for a, a positive outcome and understanding what motivates them and what you can provide in that conversation will go a long way because some people I'm going to have to bring hard data and hard data is the only thing that is going to convince them that <clears throat> right? Your way is, is the way that they want to go. And with other people, like you can bring them all the hard data in the world and that's not what is going to motivate them. It's just right. not. Right. You, you know, I think that goes to, so we talked about the four primary motivating drives. There's a, a fifth that's a little bit more secondary, um, but you, you just hit on the head and it's the way people make decisions and what they need in order to make a decision. So there's individuals that will take everything into consideration. What's logical, facts, what do the statistics say? Uh, what's their gut feel? Or maybe emotions uh, will play into their decision-making. And then there's people on either end of that. You know, There's individuals that have the ability to remove emotion or empathy from their decision-making process and make decisions just based on what's fact, What's factual, what's uh, the, the stats say, what's logical. And then you have people on the other end that are like making decisions a lot of times on how does this make me feel? So then when they receive yeah. that information, it's more so based on sometimes depending on how, how subjective their decision-making is, it could be based on how they feel that day. You know, today I feel this way. So I think I'm gonna do X versus Y, even though the logical thing is Y, but I'm going to do X because of the way it feels. So, so I think a lot of that plays into, for me, for me, you, everybody to make a decision. It's, you know, how much of the logic do I need or the facts do I need versus, you know, how is it going to affect my team? I can make a decision that logic says do this, but how will it negatively impact my team's morale over here? And then it's just, you know, trying to define that and find, uh, you know, what's the best call or how can I modify both of those to kind of meet in the middle again uh, around. And I know 
I'm talking to the king of empathy, so I won't I won't dive into empathy too much. <laughs> <laughs> wow, did I just get a new title? I'm gonna have to put that on the LinkedIn profile. You, you totally you totally should. <laughs> <laughs> king of empathy. I don't I don't know that everyone would agree with that, but I like where you're going. I appreciate that. How about king of knowing about empathy? Maybe not sh always showing empathy. How is that better? Now I just sound like a know-it-all. That's what I. That's what I feel like just happened here. You know what? But you didn't call yourself that. An outsider called you that, so it's okay. <laughs> okay. Okay. Ah, deep breath. Deep breath. I'm. I'm not sure how I feel about that, but I'm gonna. I'm gonna let it go. So, Milan. I know that you can actually help people if they want to dig into this more, um, whether that's understanding it better or maybe they want to have their team be assessed. So what's the best way for them to talk to you about that? Yeah, that's a great question. So I would say, uh, they can reach out to me on LinkedIn um, or shoot me an email. Um, yeah, I would say, you know, that's the best uh, they can call, you know, how, however they want to get a hold of me. All my information is on LinkedIn, so they can find me there. Um, Probably also, missing some details, folks, but that's okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, sorry. So if you go look up <laughs> Milan Batinich on LinkedIn, M-I-L-A-N-B-A-T-I-N-I-C-H, you can find me there. Look Instagram. at the details coming through now. <laughs> yeah. Um, also, MilanMotivates.com. Uh, Milan Motivates on LinkedIn. That's my uh, motivational speaking and professional development company uh, that I own. You can find me there. I'm glad yeah. you brought that up. So let's talk about that a little bit. We, we're talking about communication styles, but I want to hear about this this new thing you've got going on. Tell me, Tell me about that. Yeah, yeah. So it all it all came from figuring out what what type of work am I passionate about. So you know, there's. Have you ever heard of the Japanese concept ikigai? Well, let's tell everyone about it. it doesn't matter okay. if I've heard of it. <laughs> all right, perfect. So really, it looks at you know what are you passionate about? Where what type of work brings you joy? And then what type of work not only brings you joy but are you good at and where you can make a living? So and where it's gonna have a positive impact on the world. So what are you passionate about? What are you joyful about type of work um, that you, that brings you joy and passion? Uh, can you be good at it or are you good at it? Can you make a living off it? Can you make money from it? And then does it have a positive impact on the world around you, on other people? So as I, you know, I've spoke at conferences for the last several years and uh, working with human behaviors and things like that, um, ended up going back to uh, school last year, uh, got certification in human behaviors um, and found that outside of my day job, which I absolutely love, um, I also love and I'm very passionate about professional development and helping other people find their ikigai. So finding that joy. So it's a, so Milan Motivates is a it's just launching right now. The website's being built as we speak. Uh, LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram, the the sites are there, but they're not fully built yet. So I'm hoping to launch here within the next month or so. Um, but really, it's speaking for organizations, 
I've spoken at universities, schools, um, really helping people figure out what is it that would bring you joy? What type of work would bring you joy? Um, and so I do speaking engagements, do workshops, uh, all sorts of things uh, like that. And um, yeah, the name of the company is Milan Motivates. Uh, went with an alliteration, so it's easy to remember. And uh, and yeah, so I'm really, really stoked, really excited about that. And uh, uh, actually I'm speaking um, in two weeks at the Iowa Employment Conference, where there's gonna be attorneys and lawyers and uh, HR people there um, speaking on employee engagement and employee retention uh, through Milan Motivates. So so looking looking forward to that. And uh, yeah, so I'm, I'm really excited about it. Really excited. So thanks for asking. Well, by the time people hear this, I'm confident that the website and all of that will be done and people can go and see it in all its glory. So uh, we've got a little bit of lead time between when we're recording this and when people will actually hear it. So uh, don't be afraid, people, to go out and check out the website. If you see a big under construction you know, icon, then just message Milan and just say, hey, yep. when's the website going to be done? I want to check it out and just flood him, inundate him with messages. Yes. I know he'll love it. I, I will. I will. I may not respond with uh, a lot of detail, but I will respond. <laughs> <laughs> and the, here, I'll, I'll, I'll say it here because it's easy to remember. The email is that this is already active and live. It's Milan at MilanMotivates.com. How easy is that? That is really easy. I know you put a lot of time and effort into that. <laughs> <laughs> Rob, Rob, I appreciate your uh, your seriousness and uh, that you're not ever sarcastic with me. <laughs> never, never, not a bit, not a bit. Um and that's why I love talking to you because I can be that way. And, uh, and you are a good sport about it. So uh, we'll definitely make sure liner notes have all of, all of these ways for you to get in touch with Milan. He can absolutely be a great resource for you um, for a variety of different things, but certainly for the, uh, the workshops. And if you want to know more about communication styles, he can help you with that. Uh, if you just want to have a conversation about Purdue basketball, he will absolutely entertain that as well. I guarantee yes. it. Yes. If you uh, if you come to me and you are a Hoosier fan, I will let you know that my communication style around that will be a little more serious. <laughs> yes. So if you are a Hoosier and you want to talk Purdue Hoosier basketball, <laughs> uh, do, not, do not get offended when I talk about how much more amazing Purdue is. Okay. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, I think we're going to have to leave it there. Milan, <laughs> thanks for joining the show. Thank As you, always, Rob. appreciate the time. Thank you so much. Thank you. Next in queue is brought to you by Happy To and is produced by me, Rob Dwyer. If you enjoy this podcast, Please, by all means, subscribe and or rate this podcast in iTunes or your favorite podcast app. But more importantly, please tell just one person about this podcast. Word of mouth is the best way for people to discover new content. As always, thanks for listening.